0: You are listening to Daily Discoveries, and this is Oscar.
1: And this is Sanjana. This is the podcast where we discuss scientific articles weekly from the science section of the daily. So, in this episode, we're going to be talking about articles related to cardiac arrest, and I found an article from Science Daily called AI predicts if and when someone will have cardiac arrest. So a new artificial intelligence technology can predict when a patient could possibly die due to cardiac arrest. And this AI is also significantly more accurate than a doctor and it makes predictions using images of patients diseased hearts and also using the patient's background. And this is an important discovery as 20% of deaths worldwide are caused by sudden cardiac arrest And researchers don't have a precise reason on what exactly causes it and who is at risk. And because of this, people who need treatment are not receiving it and those who don't really need the treatment are. The researchers use neural networks to create a custom survival assessment for each patient. And this technology can determine the chances of the patient experiencing sudden cardiac death over 10 years and when it would actually most likely happen. They call the technology Survival Study of Cardiac Arrhythmia Risk and it uses contrast enhanced images from hundreds of patients from John Hopkins Hospital who have had cardiac scarring to train the algorithm to recognize any patterns that we may not have been able to discern with our eyes. Current cardiac imaging usually only focuses on mass and volume of the scars, so this technology can provide a more detailed report. And they paired this with another neural network that received 10 years of patient data and analyzed 22 different factors, such as the patient's age, their weight, race, and use of prescription drugs. The algorithm's predictions were validated in 60 different health centers across the United States, proving its accuracy. The researchers are now working on building more algorithms that that can detect other cardiac diseases and are adopting this technology for other fields of medicine that also use a visual diagnosis.
0: So it's able to predict when any person is going to have cardiac arrest, um, when it's most likely. Yes, within a ten year period in the future, or
1: yes, ten year period up to ten years.
0: I'm just how what kind of data does it collect to be able to make these predictions?
1: So it uses like machine learning. So it takes like patients who have cardiac scarring or have cardiac disease, and it looks at those like images and it looks for patterns so when it receives this new patient's data it'll try to find those patterns that they saw with the other patients and they also use the patient's background to come up with like a prediction of when it would most likely happen.
0: Okay I guess yeah that makes sense that the computer uses previous knowledge of how the scarring looks in a person who has had a cardiac arrest but how does that able to tell the computer how long in the future the new patient is going to have a cardiac arrest?
1: I think it's because when they get the data from other patients, um, they'll probably tell you, oh, like, this patient has had cardiac scarring for, like, this amount of time. So they can look at the new patient and be like, okay, so looking at the patterns of this person's, like, image, it should take, like, this amount of time to reach this level of scarring and then cause cardiac arrest.
0: I see, I see. So what is this scarring that occurs because of, is it because of a cardiac arrest that's happened? So uh, or you're saying like the scarring builds up and then at a certain point.
1: So the scarring builds up and it causes arrhythmia, which causes the cardiac arrest.
0: I see. Okay. So this is like an arrhythmia cardiac arrest rather yes. than a block in the coronary artery, for example. Yeah. That's very cool. And I have something quite similar actually, where machine learning again is used to, I guess, teach computers how to identify signals that will help us determine if someone is having a cardiac arrest and help people who are suddenly having a cardiac arrest because a lot of the time people who have a cardiac arrest are in their bedroom or out and about where there may not be a bystander that's able to help through CBR. So I found a study which was reported in Science Daily and It is actually a study that is out of UW, so I'm going to get right into that. So almost 500,000 people die annually due to cardiac arrest in the U.S. alone, and cardiac arrest is when the heart stops due to the coronary arteries being blocked or for arrhythmic reasons that are a buildup of scarring tissue, as Sanja said. There are three main immediate responses to this cardiac arrest, and that is agonal breathing, which is sort of gasp for air because the heart is suffering from not receiving enough air to pump blood to the rest of the body, or stop in breathing or becoming completely unresponsive. And CPR or cardiopulmonary resuscitation can be performed by a bystander on the patient that is currently undergoing a cardiac arrest, and this can triple the chances of survival for this person. However, as I said earlier, bystanders are not always and actually usually not present. In fact, research suggests that one of the most common places is in the person's bedroom when there's no one awake or around to help them. So a research group at the University of Washington developed a tool to combat this issue. The goal was to be able to help people that are having a cardiac arrest and do not have bystanders around them they took advantage of something that is becoming a quite popular technology in a lot of homes today, smart speakers, and also the fact that 50% of people going through cardiac arrest perform the agonal breathing or gasps for air that I mentioned earlier. Using recorded 911 calls where the person was performing agonal breathing during the call, the program was developed so that the smart speaker was able to recognize the sounds of agonal breathing and 97% of the time up to 20 feet away. And the co-corresponding author, Shiam Galakata from the Paul G. Allen School of Computer Science and Engineering at the University of Washington, says that the smart speaker then would alert anyone nearby that could do CPR. If no one responds, then the smart speaker would call 911. And what makes this possible is actually the unique sound of agonal breathing as the person gasps for more oxygen. And also another thing that made this possible was All of the recorded calls from the Seattle Emergency Services from various smartphones and speakers that were actually able to capture this agonal breathing. In a lot of the cases, it was people calling in, reporting that someone was maybe unconscious or breathing or something. And the dispatcher would tell them to put the phone up to the person to decide whether they should do CPR yet at a certain time. And that's when they got a lot of these recordings of this agonal breathing. And actually, it's a total. They got a total of seven thousand three hundred and sixteen clips between the years two thousand nine and two thousand seventeen.
1: That's really interesting. So, is do the does the smart speaker record like does the smart speaker like recognize the agonal breathing when the person? Ask the smart speaker to call 911 or is it just do it automatically?
0: It's like passively listening. It's
1: kind of weird, but. I mean, that's I what think, smart.
0: smart speakers already do that. Yeah, they passively yeah. listen all the time. I know. So but I
1: think, I mean, in this case, I think that's very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And since everyone's carrying a phone around these days that are also passively listening to everything we do, mm-hmm. so why not? I think it's also a very creative solution to something like this. Mm-hmm. where there's if it, we almost feel helpless to something like this where a cardiac arrest is so sudden and can just happen like that
1: do like apple watches also like do that like if you like your heart rate is like abnormal does it like alert
0: yes so that's actually very recent that is apple whatever the most recent apple watch they came out with is able to detect abnormal heart rates as you said and call 911 if that occurs So to end this episode, I am going to talk about some ways that you can reduce the chances of having either cardiac arrest or cardiac diseases in the future. And it may come as a surprise to a lot of people, but coffee may actually lead to lower risk of heart disease and it actually also supports living longer and this as this of course comes as a surprise because it's usually associated with increased heart rate and the study or this study was done at baker heart institute in melbourne australia and it found that regular coffee drinking either had no harm or positive effects so there was no negative effects no matter how much coffee you drink however the study group people depending on how much coffee or, how many cups of coffee they drank every day from zero to five, so zero, one, two, three, four, or five, or more than five. And the study suggested no effect or reductions in cardiovascular risk, controlling for smoking, exercising, and diet, which are other factors that have an effect on heart health and longevity. So, in the first study with almost 400,000 people of an average age of 57, They found that two to three cups daily gave a 15% lower chance of any sort of heart disease, stroke, or death in general over the 10 years the study ran. And all these patients did not have any initial heart diseases. Then a study of 30,000 people with heart problems, and they found that any amount of coffee did not seem to be associated with any higher risk of arrhythmia. Which is obviously what clinicians often are worried about, and clinicians often err on the side of caution with patients with known heart disease or arrhythmia and tell them to stop drinking, but this study, or stop drinking (laughs) uh, coffee, but this study suggests that coffee is totally fine. And to go even beyond that, if you're curious about what exactly in coffee gives these benefits, coffee is a bean and it's usually associated with caffeine, but it actually has over 100 biologically active compounds that have all sorts of known benefits. And this group also continued doing a study where they actually compared decaf, ground, and instant coffee, found that decaf did not have any benefits for arrhythmia, but did reduce chance of cardiovascular disease, but ground and instant gave benefits for everything.
1: So was decaf less effective than compared to just normal coffee with caffeine?
0: I mean, I wouldn't say it's less effective. It just, it didn't give the, benef- as the same wide range of benefits. So I guess you could say, yes, it's less effective. But it was just as effective in reducing the chance of heart disease, which was, I guess, the main point of the study. But they, they found other um, benefits as well.
1: Interesting. Yeah, usually people are talking about how coffee is not beneficial for you and you should limit your coffee intake. So this is very different from what I usually hear.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think the point of the study was to encourage coffee drinking as part of your healthy diet. And the people, the doctors in this study believe strongly that the caffeine is actually helps is a huge benefit as well it helps with productivity wakes people up in the morning becomes part of a routine and yeah they basically just wanted to make sure that coffee isn't put to the side for for people with heart problems when it's actually beneficial so yeah i think that was pretty cool yeah reduces anxiety in people that are heavy coffee drinkers i guess
1: (laughs) definitely (laughs) Yeah, because everyone's talking about how caffeine is, like, bad for you and now you should, like, drink decaf or something. Right. So...
0: But decaf is horrible. (laughs) Um,
1: Does it taste really bad? Yeah,
0: it tastes horrible.
1: I don't drink coffee, so I don't know.
0: Yeah. But also, something I should note is that this study obviously did not take into account how you drink your coffee, Mm -hmm. whether that's with tons of cream and sugar or just completely black yeah Um, i'm guessing maybe pointing that out yeah
1: black is probably what you should be drinking but i'm sure not everyone can drink straight black coffee so
0: right yeah (laughs) because obviously as i said earlier diet also plays a huge role in heart disease and adding a ton of sugar and cream to your coffee
1: yeah, I think that would the just... negative
0: side of the diet. Yeah, <laughs> that is that not... would just
1: reverse the effects of caffeine. Exactly, level. yeah.
0: It would. Re- was not caffeine... T- well, I- the coffee. The coffee, yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess you could also argue that caffeine definitely helps because decaf didn't have as wide of a variety of benefits.
1: I mean, you mentioned that it was usually associated with caffeine, so...
0: Yes, exactly. And I think most people that drink coffee do drink it, normal coffee. Mm-hmm. Also, is decaf, is that just a different, co- like, a strain of coffee? Or is it they, like, chemically removed?
1: So they remove the caffeine.
0: Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. What if they genetically engineered the coffee plants to make coffee that's decaf? Or, like, the coffee beans just don't have caffeine in them. Or maybe that's too complicated.
1: Maybe they could do that. Or
0: maybe that's just not, like, helpful. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.